ideal. Many people think that the best way to escape war is to dwell upon its horror. In the end, it's our ideal. Many people think that the best way to escape war is to dwell upon its horror. Thank you all for tuning in to Up Close with Monique McNeil. I'm your host, Monique McNeil. And on today's segment uh, is a part two of a segment that we did about two weeks ago, uh, speaking about uh, Rhode Island's broken promise and what is our initiative to make those changes. I was on a call or on the line with Heather Kennedy Clegg and Suzanne Arena at that time discussing the important changes that this bill has uh hopefully will make and uh, what we look forward to uh, for the changes of, of individuals with disabilities and how inclusiveness and all around the board is important, when, especially when it comes to education. Um, today, I have the uh, the great privilege to have online with us today. I have Michael Chippendale. He is the state rep of Rhode Island. I have Colleen Brophy. Uh, she's an education advocate and an autism mom. I have Gabriel Brophy. He is a high school senior and looking very forward to college coming up. And we got Heather Kennedy Clegg on with us. And she's a disability advocate and a mediator. And, of course, we have Suzanne Arena. She is the co-founder of Decoding Dyslexia Rhode Island. Thank you so much for being with us today and um, discussing this important insight. And take your time to be online with us today. So I appreciate you all for for being on with with uh, up close with Monique McNeil. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right in. Um, there's such important things going on um, with this bill, and this is gonna go directly to Michael. Um, how did this issue come come to be of of importance to you, and how did it get your intention? Why is this Why is this important to you? Why is this issue something that you feel that you need to be a part of? Uh, I apologize, first of all, for my dog's barking in the background. It's something we all deal with in this, in this day and age. Um, he has a lot to you say. Know, the, issue was, <laughs> um, the issue was initially brought to me uh, by Heather, and I was completely unaware of, of the discrepancy in our, in our uh, law that was recently passed three years ago for the Rhode Island Promise. Um, so after doing, she, of course, you know, Heather gave me the background of where she found herself, um, and introduced me or, or told me I would be introduced to several more parents, um, you know, once we got into it. So as soon as I started to get into, uh, looking into the law and seeing where the discrepancies were, uh, Heather was absolutely right. I, a lot of folks started reaching out and I realized just how big of a problem this really was for the state. Wow. That that's and that's what it's really about when you you know sit in those seats and and you are a representative is to really represent um, the unspoken needs of 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 the people. I mean that's that's what you're there to do. Um, so that's just wonderful that you that it's of interest to you because as you know not everybody is interested in everything um, that's going on. So I I personally want to thank you for that. Yeah, it's it's no need to thank me whatsoever. I. Um 
while I don't uh, necessarily wear it on my sleeve at all times, I am disabled as well. And so I, I deal with uh, a lot of challenges in my own life. So I can um, absolutely relate when, when I hear from a constituent telling me a, 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 a situation that they find themselves in that, that's so close to home, it's very easy to pick up on the sensitivities of that issue. Um, so I think that's really how Heather and I really hit it off so quickly. And, and I immediately understood where the issue was coming from and where it needed to go. So it, it really truly has been a, a collaborative effort with, with all of the, the fantastic people that you've had on your show and so many more who are behind the scenes. And that's what it takes. It really takes everyone coming together and, and saying, Hey, there's something here. We need to make this change and to make it, better, whatever the issue is. So it, that's just wonderful to see. Um, and, it, and it's amazing when, you know, you open the door, you spark a, a conversation because that's what this really is about, right? Really starting, you know, that conversation, really starting a dialogue of things that are really aren't spoken about. Um, so it's just wonderful to have the opportunity, you know, especially me being a mom um, of a disabled, two disabled children and really saying, my goodness, you know, I didn't think about, what there could be some issues or roadblocks, you know, in the future. My daughter's a seventh grader. This this will come about. There will be these types of issues, and it's going to take you know leaders like yourself, and you know the the team, Heather and Suzanne and Colleen, and all those who really care about making change to step forward and and, and make that change. So that's just wonderful. Um, at this point, who's supporting? Who is of of the support of this initiative, and who's opposing it? Uh, at this point, I, for me to list the, the names of the organizations would be very lengthy. It, it's amazing how the support has uh, just, um, it's just blown up. From, from, from Heather, uh, from Suzanne, uh, reaching out through, through their own networks, um, I've, I've heard from not only advocacy groups, I've, I've had conversations with the state sec, uh, executive secretary on disabilities on the, for the council on disabilities uh, who does support the bill and has uh, worked with us on, on language and potential language changes that we may need. Um, mm-hmm. I've met with uh, the state of Rhode Island's recent, very recently uh, appointed commissioner of, of post-secondary education. And um at this point so far, our conversations have been exceptionally uh, productive. The general uh, conversations that I have with colleagues about the issue is well-received. Um, and I think largely the opposition is, it's just, uh, it's the political process. Um, it's its who's in on what and, and what will this mean for uh, person A and person B, you know, Unfortunately, the political process is, uh, it's often compared to sausage, sausage making for a reason. Um, and this is certainly one of those reasons. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm a very optimistic person. So I'm, I'm, and I'm tenacious as well. So I'm hopeful that I will win over, um, the support of all the folks that, that we need politically to make this happen. Well, I would hope so, because this is a bipartisan situation. I mean, this is a bipartisan issue. It's, it doesn't matter if you're from the moon. You know, it's about, you know, securing um, human rights and making sure that we um, have a bill. We have policies or um, government that is protecting and beneficial to all people. So it's like... This is even more so. It's not, you know, forget the red, blue, green, purple. Who cares? We're, we're talking no. the, the gimmicks of 
this is an issue that can affect any person, any person, boy, female, whatever the case may be. And that's why it's important that, to have that support. So I, I really hope um, that this is something that could be, you know, passed through. Now, Heather, I did you have something to back that up? I would love to hear from you. Yeah. I'm sorry. No. I said I would stay silent. I kind of doing this. My <laughs> uh, people might be tuning in and not know that this is a part two conversation. So I was wondering if we could just really touch on what we're talking about and what this bill is. And maybe Colleen can pitch in. Do you, do you want to talk about that for a second? What we're trying to do? What's going on? Uh, absolutely. Go ahead. Whatever you want to tell me what you want me and I'll follow your lead. How's that? Um, absolutely. So the, the, the past show, uh, the past segment, I apologize. I was basically about, uh, Rhode Island's promise. And what that is, is a, it's a, um, scholarship program that is given out for, um, all Rhode Island residents, um, who obviously meet the eligibility as far as being a senior, being a resident of the state, um, able to maintain a, a certain GPA, but they, every resident who applied for this would be able to, um, therefore go to the community college of Rhode Island and receive a associate's degree. And, mm-hmm. um, it's a wonderful, wonderful program. It's a wonderful opportunity for all people. But however, we did find for the, that there was some discrepancies in how the policy was actually written. And, um, regarding individuals with disabilities and this is why that's what started our first um, segment of our podcast and this is why we're here today um, to speak with those behind the lines really pushing to make this change really make the legislative change that is needed Um, so if Colleen if you want to go ahead and 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 back up what I said and be wonderful absolutely Um, so um, just like the representative said I think as parents um, we spend a lot of time um, with our students between like ninth and 12th grade, getting them ready for transition and what's life after high school. And, um, we kind of found out, uh, on by accident as well. So all this time we've been preparing our students to go to college, um, and learning about this program is very exciting. It was a perfect fit to your program, possibly to go on to a four year program. Right. And, um, I found out like accidentally, um, someone had mentioned that there was an ACLU case or something. And then it prompted me to, and Heather to talk and do further research. And then I started reaching out to my own um, educational team and said, have you, which is the guidance counselor and special ed directors. And no one had heard of this. They had no idea. Right. Um, so then I started reaching out further and um, um, prompted the conversation to rep. So it's, um, it's disheartening and the fact that these kids work so hard to get where they are. And, and me as a parent, I'm not asking for any more of an education. I'm just asking for more time. I know my son is capable of anything he sets his mind and heart to, but I need, to, as his mother, to set him up for success. I need to put him in college in a program where he can succeed. And um, and that's all my ask. And all of our parents is asking, hey, our kids can do it. We just need you guys to back us up and allow uh, the systems to all kind of work together the policy at Rhode Island College, I'm sorry, CCRI, and then the legislation. And right now, if that bill doesn't go through, it, it's more open to interpretation and how the school wants to interpret it. And so that's what we're working really hard on um, because as a parent and as an advocate, I know, I know what I will do for my son. I will re- rearrange the plans for him. But not every parent 
knows they can do things like that or has the opportunity to do that. So I worry about the other kids out there, the other students that don't want to go because they look at the requirements and say, gee, my son or daughter can't do five classes, so I'm not even going to send them to college. Or the kids out there that are trying and, 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 and stretching themselves and doing the best that they can and they can't do it, and then they have a this sense of failure. That's, that's not fair. Um, so our hope and expectation is to make everyone aware right. of what's happening so that we can kind of come together and collaboratively present a solution, which is beyond reasonable, um, and get these kids moving forward in, in, in contributing, being contributing uh, members to society. Because that's what it's all about, right? Having all of our kids be happy and doing what they love. So we're hoping to see the legislation come together and do their part to protect our children to be able to get the education they so deserve. And I just want to ask the whole group, like it was stated um, that CCRI um, were in the processes um, of reviewing the policy and, and seeing what they can do on their end to change the policy. What do you guys think about that? Who wants to go first? And any of any one of you. <laughs> what do you think about them trying to uh, change the policy? Start with you, Mike. What do you think? Okay, uh, changing the policy is something that the pressure from from these uh, amazing parents has really already caused to, to happen, and that warms my heart. That that they heard the message loud and clear. They're they're changing the policy as we speak. Right. But policy is easy to change and the next administrator or the next director or the next whatever can just as easily change the policy. So I'm encouraged on one hand that the college is, is taking this seriously enough to, to actually change their policy right. uh, to, to accommodate what the bill is seeking to accomplish. But, um, I have to be pragmatic and a little bit cynical about that as well and insist that we codify this in the actual statute itself so that it's not at the whim of the next director or the next person who's looking at the budget and has to figure out where to cut. Um, I don't want that. I want the law to be very clear about this and um, I'm not stopping until that is the case. Wonderful. Wonderful. And, you know, essentially for all those out there, you know, who, you know, quite don't understand what is the difference of just changing the policy and why is this so essential um, that we make the change legislatively and why that is so important. There's a lot of people, what, what's the difference? Just change the policy. It's a big difference. And as you said, it, it requires the law. It mandates that any institution, like you said, going forward, um, will be cognitive and it will be written within that the law that X, Y, and Z is done. So it, it holds um, institutions, holds their feet to the fire that we are going to be inclusive that we're going to be mindful, and this is the way. So no other institution say, well, I'm just following the law. So that's why it's important to start, you know, with with the law and to actually make that change. So, so that's the difference. Yes. Um, I, I, think, I think that's great. I wanted to just point out that, um, you know, these kids, including my son um, and all of us parents yes. who have children who have disabilities, they've fought for years and watched their parents fight, and they get to college and they assume, I assume, that this would be already instituted into a bill. 
Um, I certainly didn't think that here we are again, we're going to have to fight over the rights of children with disabilities under ADA. I mean, it blows my mind that they're using this as some kind of political process pawn. It shouldn't be like that because they've already felt the um, being ostracized in so many ways. And then to get to college and say, we're not included, we're not part of the diversity and the inclusion, but the college heard it, and they heard it very quickly. Mike heard this in the beginning, and, you know, when I was shared with me, he got it, and he was explaining how there's this politics, and I said, these, these are lies. Right. You know, these are kids, and then when Heather read over the, um, the report, we were looking over the report from CCRI, because they had um, released it to um, the General Assembly. Clearly in it, 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 it says that most kids, all kids need three years to graduate. Well, we know why. And Colleen, maybe your son can speak to this, that when he got to college and he took the ACER, um, either the, um, I'm sorry, the Accuplacer test, he found that he had to do remedial classes, which is typical of a lot of most students. I did. So here you are wasting wasting some of your scholarship money to catch up. Doing what the high school should have done. So I'm sorry, what's your son's name? Gabriel. 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 I love that name. Beautiful. So why don't you comment on what your thoughts are that, you know, your high school let you out, graduated you, seemingly academically ready for college. You get there, and then you find all this out. How did that make you feel? When I first heard about it, I just, like, I was kind of confused on why it's such a big deal. Like, for me, personally, I'm sure I could do the whole five classes thing, but... Whether they like, whether anybody likes it or not, people with autism, people with ADHD, we're a part of the future too. That's right. And we're going to be a part of that future no matter what. So why, you know, college is supposed to be for learning. Why can't we have it adjusted to our level where we can learn maybe a little bit slower, but at least in the end, we still get what we're supposed to do. We're going to be, you know, people like me can be astronauts. People like me can be firefighters, police officers. We can be just like anybody else, and maybe it takes a little more time, but we can still get there. And if they adjust to our level, because everybody learns differently. That's right. Maybe I don't need five classes. Maybe I just need the three. Maybe I just need four. Why does it have to be specifically five? Why do I have to take this class when it won't really help me, you know? Everybody's so different in the way they learn, but it's just so linear. And I don't really like how linear it is, especially when it comes to people with autism. Like me, mm-hmm. I grew up with people my whole life. I right. had somebody there helping me. Right. Throughout sixth grade, I had a guy do the work for me. And then <laughs> when I got into seventh grade, I was on my own. I had to learn how to do work myself. And then here I am in high school. And I didn't know that college was going to be so linear and not accepting of this bill. I don't know why it's such a... I'm sure there's like all these big reasons. And I'm sure like <laughs> those college guys would make a whole debunk video on this whole live. And that'd be kind of funny. But... <laughs> Well, it's kind of it's it's kind of important that you point that out. I mean, you you obviously have seemed to do well in school, and that's due to your IEP plan or your five hundred four or the supports yeah. that you have in place. The people who really walked with you during that time and allowed you to make that adjustment because it really is adjustment. I'm dealing with that. And I have a seventh grader, um, so <laughs> it's been an adjustment. But the point is, these supports. And these accommodations are really put into place to help you. And, it, and it's worked. So in my mind and in the other minds of, of parents and other people is, well, why would you take that away? If this is what has been 
with this person to allow them to be successful and to achieve. Because at, at the end of the day, that's what we want. We want every person, every student to be successful and to, to achieve their education and, and to do it without, you know, all this overwhelming stuff that comes along with just being a teenager anyways. But, you know, being in school. So in my mind, it's like, why wouldn't they be acceptance or, or have acknowledged that this is still part of your learning routine. This is your regimen. This is how you've got through, you know, to make it to that point. And it, it just blows my mind that any person would want to dismantle or change your learning style. Or like you said, we all learn individually differently. I have something that and I can just feel like in the hierarchy and like the real run run, they kind of just want people that are really intelligent really get a move on in the world. It's not really about just the kids themselves and the people themselves. They just want the smartest of the smartest to get people to Mars, to make the new vaccine. That's where it all runs down to. They don't really care about the dishwashers of the world. Who, who cares about them? You know, not everybody's going to be able to become a surgeon. Not everyone's going to be able to become a really high-paying job to be an actor. Maybe someone's going to be a dishwasher for the rest of their life, but at least we can try to make an attempt because I had support my whole life. I love support. You know, I love asking questions. I ask questions constantly. Ask any of my teachers, hey, what's this? Hey, can you help me with this? Hey, I have a question. And it's worked. I, and I, it has worked for you. It, it allowed worked. you to be a successful student. I think they it's wonderful. support if they see them doing it for us. Not really. It's just them. I like to go through things. I like to take my time, really understand the questions. I don't like to zip, zip, zip. Okay, everybody else has gotten it, but what about me? I don't understand it. I did Algebra 2 last year. They zipped by it day after day after day, assignment, 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 but it wasn't for me because I was in a class with all these people who could do it. It's not that I couldn't, but I didn't have a teacher that was really willing to put in the time and effort with somebody like me because I'm a little bit slower in math. I'm not that good at math, but I can still do it. And that's the point that we're trying to make, that you can still do it. That's the point that we're trying to make, that every person can still do it. It might be differently. It might be a different road. It might take a little longer, but it can be done. And we do not ever want to disqualify anyone or discourage anyone from at least attempting to reach for that that grant or to go to school or to better themselves. This is their future. Our children are our future. You are our future. And it's important. And I think it's even especially important today that you're on air today speaking with us so they can hear right from a student's mouth. I mean, this is a journey, a new journey um, that you're going to embark with your, on with your mom. And, um, you know, hopefully with, with this passing through. Now, what, uh, taking this question back to Michael, um, what do you what do you think the timeline is on that to actually um, to get through for the passing of this bill? And where are we at with that? We expect a hearing um, before the third week of April. So the, the bill will be heard for the first time um, in a committee. So that will give uh, folks the opportunity to testify um, in front of the committee and hopefully uh if Gabriel himself is not able to testify, hopefully someone uh, who can lay out the situation the way that he did in, in such a concise manner that frankly brought tears to my eyes um, will speak on that, on this issue because that's what my colleagues need to hear. Um, So we will have a hearing in the house uh, finance committee from that point. 
we know that the bill will need to be amended. In fact, most bills do, especially when they're dealing with such a you know substantive issue um, and legal, you know, very legal uh, heavy issue. So we know that there will be amendments necessary uh, to the bill, but that's part of the legislative process. That's and right. I'm hopeful that after you know during the hearing, leading up to the hearing, these talks will continue. I will continue to meet with the folks at the universities, the college and in the administration to hopefully move us closer to, to a final product. Um, the same thing will happen in the Senate, uh, in Rhode Island as well. We have a, a, a bicameral legislature. So our house and our Senate will entertain the same bills. Um, they will be fully uh, heard for the public. Unfortunately, the public won't be able to come in in person like they have in, in normal years. Okay. But this year is just really changing the way we're, we're, we're governing. Uh, but I'm hopeful that a lot of people will testify. They'll call in. They'll send in their letters. So how do they do we'll that? Make this impression. How do we do that to support um, you moving forward? How do how do people um, sign up to testify uh, for this important? So, so, that's a great question and a super important question too, because uh, right now the again it's the network of all of these amazing parents that has gotten the word out and has brought us to, to you know the, the place where we're actually talking about this uh, in such an open forum. And yes, hands uh, the, together for the parents. There's no doubt about it. Um, the, uh, the the process itself, unfortunately, is can can be slow, and and that's really what we're dealing with. So when a bill is posted for a hearing, Mm -hmm. uh, we're often only given 48 hours notice on this particular bill. And and based on, um, well, again, my tenacity and, and the, the large amount of people who want to speak on it. Um, I, I, tried to request at least a time frame in which we should expect it. So that's why I can say it'll be in the middle of April. Um, but it will be approximately 48 hours prior to the, to the, um, to the actual posting of the hearing that an email uh, will be made available and then it will proliferate throughout the state because again, this network will kick in and the email will contain links on it where folks will be able to just either click a link and submit written testimony okay, or they will be able to click a link and fill out a form with their name, their phone number, um, whether they're opposed or um, if they support. And then during the hearing process, the clerk will, will call the witnesses and those witnesses will literally be called on their phone. So it, it happens kind of quickly once the meeting is posted. And that's where uh, the network that, that I'm uh, so happy to be in touch with uh, will get this email and it'll go to everyone and and hopefully folks will just start signing up and sending in written t- testimony it's not an either or uh in my opinion it, it should be both you know you really should uh, put the long form down because oftentimes especially when there's a lot of folks who want to be heard on an issue yes. uh regrettably time constraints come into play and oftentimes it's just a mathematical equation we have you know 200 people signed up to testify and we want to get this done in two hours so the I, you know, do the math and, and that's what we're going to allow each person. I don't like that myself. Uh, but again, the times we're in right now with, with, uh, this, this tele telecommuting and, and testifying through the computer has, has, uh, forced us to make a lot of accommodations like this. 
Now, that's the process. Now, can any other person who is not a resident of Rhode Island testify of why this is important? Do you have to be a resident? There is no residency requirement. Nice. Um, oftentimes, folks from other states will testify. We'll bring in expert, te- you know, experts from other states to testify. But we also have. Um, experiential experts, uh, let's say it that way. So you may not have to live in Rhode Island, but you can, you can use your experience mm-hmm. on, on the subject mm-hmm. uh, in your, in the context of your own state to share uh, in testimony. So absolutely that that's something that happens regularly um, in, in all sorts of hearings, no matter, regardless of what the topic is. That's wonderful um, because go ahead, go ahead, Suzanne. Um, Mike, I wanted to um, just point out one thing too. So people can view the bill online um, as well they're not sure where to go and and you said there's going to be edits so you know people don't know what the edits are and a lot of times if you're going in to listen to a bill it's like going into an IEP meeting I want to see what the what what the um, draft is before I go in um, so I can kind of know is that going to be posted or is that available in all likelihood, that will not be. Uh, it won't be posted. Hopefully, it will be available. But I think it may evolve even after the hearing. Um, the final process. So, uh, the next step in the legislative process after the hearing is the, if this bill is is uh, strong enough to, to have a, a, a second hearing for consideration, it will be brought back before the committee. At that point, it would be the final version, and then a vote would be taken, and it would be passed out to the floor for a full vote. So the reason why, um, in this case, and you, you, you do know a little bit about some of the, the back and forth we've been having with between the Senate and with everyone else, the language will change. But there are three elements in the bill that that we really care about. And they're in my bill. If the, the words have to be changed, if the legal references have to be changed, that doesn't matter to me and that doesn't matter to, to anyone as long as it accomplishes what we want. So what do I accomplish? I, I define, first of all, that they they must uh, identify students with disabilities. So like that's the first thing we want as a definition in there. Um, we want to reference the ADA and uh, the Rehabilitation Act. So that is in there as well. Um, and then the third is is that they have to make the reasonable accommodation. So we're not really, actually there is another element I did put, and I'm not sure if this will survive the process, I don't know, but I put in language that would sort of grandfather any child who will be graduating this year in the event that the bill's not law before uh, the deadline for that, you know, kids graduating this year to sign up. So I, I didn't want this cohort of graduates in, in high school to lose out. So I'm hopeful that survives the edits. But so when it gets down to the actual legal language, I am not an attorney. Um, and most of my colleagues aren't attorneys either, but mm-hmm. the attorneys who work in the building will be the ones who tweak that based on uh, agreements on what we want to accomplish. So I'm encouraged again by uh, what, what I'm getting from the universities themselves and from the commissioner of post-secondary education. They support the general idea and that's really all we need because then it's just a matter of figuring out what language to put in the bill. Once we win their hearts, their minds will follow. It's as simple as that. Excellent. Hi, <laughs> I have a question. And some of the language of the things that you're discussing, is there going to be a change on the age? So it says 19 and the cutoff. And we've been all been talking about that. Will it say after high school instead or something along those lines? Yeah, so, you know, my 
my thought on that, and, and this is definitely one area that has changed a couple of times where folks have said, you know, we're going to pick an absolute date or age rather. Um, in my opinion, I don't think we should be that precise because, you know, there are so many different things that occur that could occur to a child, uh, in their, in their developmental years, um, that they have to overcome before they even get into school. So uh, conceivably a high school graduate could be 24 years old because maybe it caused their deafness was a five-year venture for them. Well, I don't want that child punished because through no fault of their own, they dealt with that. So, you know, I'm a little bit, I I can screw that section a little bit more liberally. I, I think we should, really have it uh, defined liberally, uh, that may not end up being the case. They may draw a, a line in the sand based on an age. Um, I'm not sure where that's going to go, but again, that, I think that that is where the testimony is going to start to guide that conversation. Can I just, can I just interject? Yeah. I love your idea, but you know, by, by Rhode Island law, you have to, you have to have it at 22 because at least at 22 at the very, at the very minimum, and that's because in Rhode Island, you have up to age 22 before mm-hmm. you can, when your um, special education services stop in high school. So, you know, theoretically, you could be in high school doing enrichment, um, high school enrichment with CCRI. And again, be, you know, 22. Um, yeah. So it, it, that's the minimum age. And that, that even, that shouldn't be argued. I mean, there's no argument uh-huh. I, I agree with you on that. I, I could not conceive of going any lower than 22 years old uh, under any circumstances. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, and this is why this type of situation is so important. This jargon, this dialogue is to really, you know, um, important to take place because this is where we can really um, get to the nitty gritty and remind people that is it's so important. It's essential to have those who are mostly infected, with any issue, um, to be at the table when these policies are written and or when this legislation is written. And sometimes I think um, people feel often forgotten or left out or, you know, and this is why we have awesome reps like you um, to remind people of that there has to be change that's most beneficial going forward. And this is just why, once again, I'm just sitting here listening to the different exchange ideas. And the fact that we're even having this conversation is just wonderful. This is, this is where it begins. This is how real change takes place. And this is how we re-remind people um, about inclusiveness and um, that we matter. Our voices matter when it comes to a mom and it comes to, you know, you know we're ordinary people, but we're moms. And, and we're vested in this change. And, you know, moving forward, um, what do you what do you hope to see out of this bill? Uh, especially I, I'm going to direct us specifically to you, Colleen, being a mom, an autism mom, being a mom who has walked with your son during this journey um, of his educational career and, and, and everything else in between. But what does this mean to you as, as being a mom to see this actually be legislatively changed? Um, so, so I think I, the first word I feel is protection or, um, because there is an, like we mentioned, the opportunity for our policy to change hand to hand. So there's no, it, it could be good today and gone tomorrow. So right. the legislation will lock, uh, at least a feeling of lock that in for us, um, in hopeful 
Um, you know, this is a huge monumental um, journey for us, as you can hear. Um, and I'm tired. I spent the last 12 years every day supporting, and I think it did a good job, and it was worth every second. And I'll do it again for the next five years if we have to do that. And I know all the moms will. Um, but I, 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 for me to have them say, we hear you, you guys are right. Acknowledge that. Make- yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, then I'll just feel like not only is it a victory for our kids, but for the next ones coming. Because, again, they've all worked so hard. It's just, this, being a parent, as, um, he, he's the greatest gift that has ever happened to me. And there's nothing I would ever change. But it's hard. Um, and we are again retired and our kids deserve this because our kids work so hard every day to get to where they are. And when they're getting to a point and they want to go to college, none of us should be doing anything to discourage that. We can, should be saying, what do you need to keep right. going? Right. And I just want to hear that. And it, it's such a, we're not, we are, it's just a small ask for a big receive. Um, and these kids again deserve it, and the sky should be the limit for them. And we should be harnessing that their energy and wrapping ourselves around them. So for me, it would be a huge win for all of our children, and letting them know we support you and we believe in you. So that's my my hope. And I can personally say, you know, for me, you know, I'm getting getting chills as you as you speak because, you know, not many people really understand. Um, what really goes behind being a parent of a child that has disabilities, whether they're medical disabilities, educational disability, whatever the case may be, the challenges that we face and how we're constantly being called on to advocate for our children. And we see the unfairness in a lot of things and, you know, um, the IEP meetings and just all the things that go behind really ensuring mm-hmm. that they get a fair shot at the apple. That we are preparing them in the best way they can. I mean, this is years away from me in college, but I think about that now. It makes me, it kind of makes me very nervous um, because there's a whole world out there and we, we have to prepare them for this world out there, you know, to, of, of being an adult and, and, you know, taking their disability by the horns and saying, I can make it and I will. And, you know, it's just warming to my heart, like I said, to see even this conversation and how important it's like, we need to re remind people of the realities that people face that people all around this country, all, all throughout the world that we face who have disabilities, whether it impacts you individually or being a mom or you're dealing with it directly. So I, I, I really am so glad that once again, that we're even having um, this conversation. And, and I know, you know, as you stated before, um, uh, Michael, that you personally have disabilities yourself. So what does this mean for you to see this, even the process to begin rolling on this? And and we do have to remind people it is a process behind things. It doesn't happen overnight. But the fact that it's yeah. a, it's in process <laughs> is um, leaves me feeling yeah, very no, optimistic. It, it does for me as well. Um, you know, I, I grew up in, in the 70s. Uh, I was born in the 60s, grew up in the 70s and 80s. And, and you know, the ADA was uh, was not a thing early on in my life. Um, it, there weren't um, stalls and bathrooms equipped the way that they are today. There weren't ramps to get into buildings. There weren't extra wide um access points to, uh, to sidewalks where, where you needed to cross the road. Uh, all of these things now we sort of take advantage of, uh, I'm sorry, we just sort of take for granted, right. uh, because they've been there for so long at this point. Right. And, and so I, I'm guilty of, of being intellectually lazy on this and this issue, not 
showing up on my radar um, organically. Like I should, I'm, I'm angry at myself to, to an extent for not seeing it in the initial bill. Um, but as soon as, again, because we take it for granted, even I do. Um, so when it was brought up, it was a no brainer, but I know what it's like to suffer an indignity as a, as a, a disabled person. And we all have our stories and our kids have their stories and they're all different. And, but they're, none of them are okay. Um, no one with a disability should ever feel um, that they need to meet a higher standard or that uh, the struggles they have are not of a concern to, to society or to others. Um, that should never exist. Uh, that feeling should, no one should have to, to bear that. So for me, and, and we have had this conversation um I know I've had it with Suzanne and Heather at a minimum and, and several others in the, in the process. We don't even know, like we've got all these great moms and dads who have, who have come up and said, all right, like we're involved, but we don't even know how many just look at, looked at the application and said, boy, my, my daughter's not going to be able to do that. And they never even tried. Right. We, we can't, we can't put a number on that. So we've lost three years, potentially three years worth of, of, of students that could have otherwise gone to CCRI, right. um, received an associate's degree right. and, and continued to develop their lives as young adults. But their dream came to a screeching halt. And, it wasn't any, it was to no fault of their own. So, you know, it, it is an extremely emotional uh, issue for, for, for folks uh, who are in it. And um, I'm hopeful that, that the, my colleagues, the, the decision makers in the administration and all across the state um, can hear, can hear the voices of, of this community and say to themselves, we are obligated to live up to this promise that the ADA put forth. Um, it's, it's as simple as that really. Uh, I think at the end of the day for all of us, any, anyway, all of us on this call, it is right. right. Uh, but it's my job and it's our job to convince everyone else that it is that simple. That's so wonderful. That is so wonderful. And, Yes, definitely. Thank you so much um, just for your 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 tenacity um, to to move forward with this and to really, you know, see that it's heard. You know, a lot of people were um, especially, as you say, in politics. Oh, I'll get to it or I'll get. But to actually really say, look, take a look at this and say, wait a minute. And to make this a priority is another whole thing. And it's just it's so wonderful to see. Um, because that's what we always hope to see, but to actually see it happening um, is is wonderful. And the fact that you're, you know, listening to all these moms, you're listening to all those who are the, you know, the stakeholders of this, and it, it's it's really wonderful once again to see that move forward, that process be taking place. So, it's, I, it's kind of you to say that. I really appreciate it. Um, well, when I got into the session this year, I said there are only three things that I care about because of the. the the situation we find ourselves in. Um, and that's obviously COVID. We have to do whatever we have to do there. Um, the economy, which is destroyed by COVID, we have to do it with the, and education. That Those were the three things that I was only going to focus on. Mm-hmm. And uh, very early on, uh, before we even got into our educational agenda, is when Heather had reached out to me. I can't remember the date off the top of my head, but the timing was perfect because uh, that became my educational platform. One of one of my three planks. So um, 
it worked out, I, I believe, for a, for a reason. It, it wasn't uh, it wasn't happenstance. Uh, it, it happened for a reason, and I, I will, as I said, I will see this through. As long as my feet are, are on the ground and I'm still above the grass, uh, I'm going to keep fighting on this. I'm not stopping. It's just so wonderful. You you guys all deserve, you know. A round of applause because you guys are all warriors. You know, you, you, you're going about your daily lives. You, you got so much going on and, you know, you continue on with the fight, um, for equality and, and inclusiveness and to really push through. You guys are the real, um, MVPs. Um, and definitely to other students out there like you, Gabe, you know, if they could have your, your, um, optimism, and your optimistic attitude um, going forward that you can do anything um, that you put your mind to. And, you know, is, is there one thing you would like the listeners out there to know about you? Well, I've been wanting to say one line. I would, lo- I, I would love to hear it. <laughs> I want to say, like, if college is about learning, why can't I learn it my way? Right. You're right. What want- right. And what do you want to know about me? I'm... Is, if there's any, if there's anything that you would just want want the people out there to know, like what what are your hopes to do with what do you hope to do with this education, with this college education? Where do you see yourself, young man? Like with my life, what do I want it to be for me? Yeah, <laughs> you know, when I get that delicious diploma, from high school, <laughs> I really, I just want to like have a good future. I want to get a good paycheck. I don't want to struggle in life, and I'm really looking forward to college helping me with that. Especially with CCRI, I got to give them credit for the two free years of college because I know how expensive student loans can be. That's not fun. You ain't so, never lie. I, <laughs> even when I lie, I don't like it. What's your personal goal? Like, what do you want to do? Like, like you had an aspiration. Well, they, well, my biggest goal is to help people. So, if I can help somebody, I'm gonna do it. And this seems like it can help a lot of people. That's not just me. Like everybody out there with all the disorders, the autism. ADHD, because a lot of people struggle a lot worse than I do, and they could really use this really badly, because they deserve to have a chance to go to college and succeed. I could probably do it normally, but some people can't, and that's unfair that students with disorders aren't able to go to college just because they can't. You know, it's supposed to be open. It's supposed to be for everybody, but it's not. It's just for people with higher intelligence and are faster and can help the world more. But that's not true. That's just putting it in their words. We can help the world just as much as anyone else. It's just differently, and it might take more time. But we're still here, always. (laughs) That's right. And that's what's going to keep us fighting um, for our children, for you, for every child out there. This is why we do what we do. This is why Mike does what he does. This is why, you know, because we believe so much that you are the future and that is up to us to set that president. We can know, we cannot afford to look the other way. We cannot afford to look the other way. We have to set president and we have to hold accountability and we have to make everything equity. We have to make sure that everything is equally accessible. And that's, what's so important. Um, I want to ask you specifically, Heather, what do you hope to see specifically in, included in this new bill? I want it to have an accommodation that allows any student to attend at their schedule level. So, for example, my daughter, who has autism, will be starting next fall, and she, with doctor support, so it's not, you know, out of the blue, will need to do about two classes and kind of put her toes in the water. So I want any student to be able to have that chance to go at their own pace. 
I also want personally for anybody who's been excluded the last few years to be given a shot again at the Promise Scholarship. If you look at the application, it kind of has you fill out this form and when you apply to CGR and you initial, initial, initial that you're going to do this and go full time and it kind of forces you in a position where you have to lie to even submit the application because mm. my student can't go full time. I would like to see the age changed. I prefer it to be after high school or maybe allowed to have a situation like Mike reference where if you had a medical situation, maybe you couldn't go right out of high school. Right. I think that's stuff be taken into account. The whole point of the Promise Scholarship is to allow students in Rhode Island, and other states do it too, so it's not just here, but to allow students to access an education to give them a better life and also help society, right, become productive. And every citizen has can do that, even students with disabilities. In fact, if you look at a lot of the things that have been contributed to the world, uh, they are from persons with disabilities. So I don't think it's fair to discount a whole population because of that. And I think that's like the big three, Suzanne. Did I miss anything? The age, allowing people who were pushed out. And there's, and we know of parents who have been pushed out of the, uh, students have been pushed out and parents are getting the bills. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was going to address. I, I was going to yeah, also address and that, so, yeah. that they were held liable for that bill. At, at the end yeah. because they needed more time. And I, I, I found that to be a little, a double punishment. Not only do yeah. I leave the program because I'm, I don't feel like I can, I need more time and I'm not given the, the um, time to do, to complete the program, but then I have to pay for it when it, from my interpretation that there, that there was funding specifically put aside um, for these Rhode Island um, residents who wish to attend CCRI and if there's not a lot of people enrolling or taking advantage of this beautiful program, shouldn't there still be funds available in that pot in that in for the funding? So why would parents receive the bill? So they're, they're a bill later for the tuition because they needed more time. So I was just interested in that. I didn't know if we knew. Yeah, they should. They shouldn't be, because if you think about it, if, if you go half the time and you're taking half the courses, actually, Gabriel, you said you're terrible at math. I am too. So let's look at the formula. If you, if I give you 6,000 and I get 6,000, you're only going to use three because you're only going that year. You're using half the classes at the end of two years. How much have you used? All my money. But really, if you think about it, you've only used 6,000. So they're saying that what we're asking and the the dean agrees is you should really get it extended. You should have to take you to half the time. It'll take you double the time to get through. Then you've used all your money. So Monique asked a great question. Here's half of this money. Where is this money sitting? Is it like, yeah, those are questions we don't know. And, and Representative Chippendale was great, and he got the information on how how much we spend per student. Oh. Um, I, know we're, I know we're ending. I just wanted to make one comment oh. that I've noticed with everyone. You are relentless. You have great work ethic. And you've been told over and over, uh, we all have, you can't do that. You won't be able to do that. And guess what? None of us have listened to that, and we continue to break barriers. So are we more intelligent? I don't know that we're more intelligent, but we certainly have the resilience 
that and perseverance and and Gabriel, that's going to take you very far. I see you as an EMT. I don't know why, but I keep looking at you going. Wow. This kid seems like an EMT. Maybe I that's say, coming. I haven't wanted to say this for uh, like a lot long time. <laughs> I just I want to speak for the unspoken. You know, the people that aren't here today and aren't really stepping up. Maybe they're too afraid. Maybe they can't. Right. I want to speak for them because you know we're warriors. We're supposed to help the people that can't help themselves or want help. That's what we do, and then. We've done it good so far, I'd say. Gabriel, yes. please do do me a favor. Don't ever lose that passion and, and your attitude. You, young man, uh, you Amazing. can do anything you set your mind to. That's right. That's right. You keep that with you. That's right. That's right. Have a good mama. <laughs> that's 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 exactly right. You, that's the the real real MVP right there is is, is Mama because she's the one who you know has made the, all these resources and accessibility and and to really use her mouth as an advocate for you and for so many people out there who are either misinformed or just don't know what to do, don't know which area are really not aware of their rights and and how can they you know attain. Whatever it is that they're after, they just get discouraged because the way something is written. And this is why we really have to be cognizant um, when it comes to things. Like, I mean, I think about how many people must have looked at that application and said, oh, my gosh, and totally didn't even apply, didn't even attempt to apply. So it's we, re, we really want to take that out of, of that. And I think another way to make it a cognizant or to ensure that these kind of lapses which aren't usually intentional happen is when a program or an idea is created from this is that you have representation from persons with disabilities at the table because if I was sitting at the table I would wait a minute right uh, from my experience and people I know that's kind of asking a lot for them to go full-time and I think that's just a good step forward. So, so not just in this scenario, but anytime, just to make sure when things are happening mm-hmm. that there's representation. From every person. And this is why it's yeah. important that we as a community, we as a people, um, feel like we have a voice to be heard. And that's why we have awesome reps like Michael Chependell mm-hmm. to say, okay, wait a minute, let's take a relook. Let's, let's re sit back down and, and do some reassessments of this situation because certain people were either, you know, not included in this or certain situations. This is why this is so important. And it, it really takes, it really takes an army. It really takes all of us to, to work mm-hmm. together um, to make this happen. And I, I am so blessed and so thankful um, to be a part of so many different initiatives, to know you all, especially you, Heather. You're doing wonderful, wonderful things uh, within the community. Each and every single one of you are just doing wonderful things. And um, are there any last words that you guys will have? We, we do have to wrap this up. We have about 40 seconds. And I just want to give you guys the opportunity to say something very quickly. Oh, Oh yes, the petition. <laughs> how, do you, how do I sign up for the petition, Heather? Just look up uh, Rhode Island Promise Scholarship Accessible. Those are the keywords. It'll come up. Okay. And it's on Facebook, or if you know any of us, I also have a Facebook group. Make the Rhode Island Promise Scholarship Accessible. And Join should that. I should I share it? Can people in my house be individually signing up? Like everyone in my household? Anybody can. Sign I did up. it, and I'm from Massachusetts. <laughs> awesome. I did it. And thank you, Monique, for hosting this. I appreciate it. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That is my passion, my desire to be the voice for the voiceless and to make sure we're all validated, whatever that is. So I, my, it excites me to start conversations um, that aren't being had and to get people to think outside of the box and to really come together with a unison type of resolve. And, and that's really um, my passion. So I, it's my pleasure. <laughs> I thank you all so much for God being on. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Thank you. For being on Up Close with Monique McNeil. And until next time, take care. Right after.